Good morning. The lesson comes from Matthew chapter 21, chapter 20 rather, verses uh, 1 through 16. For the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early, early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. About nine in the morning he went out and saw others standing in the marketplace doing nothing. He told them, you also go and work in my vineyard and I will pay you whatever is right. So they went. He went out again about noon and about three in the afternoon and did the same thing. About five in the afternoon he went out and found still others standing around. He asked them, why have you been standing here all day long doing nothing? Because no one has hired us, they answered. He said to them, you also go and work in my vineyard. When evening came, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, call the workers and pay them their wages, beginning with the last ones hired and going on to the first. The workers who were hired about five in the afternoon came and each received a denarius. So when those came who were hired first, they expected to receive more, but each of them also received a denarius. When they received it, they began to grumble against the landowner. These who were hired last worked only one hour, they said, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work and the heat of the day. But he answered one of them, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give the one who was hired last the same as I gave you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you envious because I am generous? So the last will be first, and the first will be last. Here ends the lesson. Please be seated. Fairness. It's an important concept, but it's an important thing that we want in life. It's especially important if you're a sibling, right? And your brother or sister, and, and you are going to, say, split the last bit of dessert. You want to make it fair. I, we, in our household, we divide whatever is left, and then the others get to choose first. So that way you make sure, you know, it's like as even as it can be. It's still, though, important even as we grow up and as we look at things in life. We want to be treated fairly. We want to be treated fairly in our workplaces, in our um, other opportunities, in the community, and in life in general. And when we see people being treated unfairly, something within us says that's not right. How many of us, how many of you, let's see a show of hands, would say fairness is a good thing? Right? I kind of led you into that one, right? Yeah? How many of you would say God is good? Right? Okay. We even have a painting, right, in our, if you go into our gym that says God is good all the time. Now, if it stands to reason then, if fairness is good, and if God is good, then God is fair. God should be fair at least, Right? So what is up with this parable that Jesus tells about the kingdom of heaven? It certainly doesn't seem fair. Jesus was 
telling a, a series of parables and analogies to give some insight into what the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, this reign of God is like. And so he begins in this chapter, chapter 20 of Matthew, with this, for the kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out early in the morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay them a denarius for the day and sent them into his vineyard. Now, what is a denarius? Well, we're not talking about this denarius, mother of dragons. If any of you know who that is, that's not the denarius we're talking about. We're talking about a silver coin, a silver Roman coin that was used in the couple centuries prior and the couple centuries after to when um, Jesus was walking this, this earth. And so this, this silver Roman coin was considered at the time of Jesus to be the fair wage for a day's work, a day's labor, whether it was a soldier or a, or a laborer or some sort of manual labor. Uh, a denarius would have been considered a fair day's wage. And so Jesus begins to tell this parable about what the kingdom of heaven like. Remember, this is the reign and the rule of God. And he, he's comparing it to this story, this parable of, a, of workers going into a vineyard. And so when he begins and he says, this landowner went out and began to hire people, and the first ones that he came to, he, he hired them, and he would, would have gone out to a place where, where people gathered. It was kind of like the temp service, right? And you knew where to go and to find workers to, to go and do whatever you wanted them to do. And they agreed to work for a fair day's wage, a denarius, and he sent them into his vineyard. But then the parable continues. The landowner continued to go out at 9 a.m., at noon, at 3 in the afternoon, and hire people to go work in his vineyard. And he agreed with them to pay them what was right. doesn't say what that was. It just said they agreed to what was right. Now, it would have been assumed, probably, that it would have been a portion of a day's wage, of a denarius, equal to the proportion of the hours that they worked. That would have probably been considered to be what was right. Yet again, at five in the afternoon, he went out and found more people and said, come and work in my vineyard. Then the end of the day came, sun is starting to go down, the owner of the vineyard instructs the foreman, go ahead and begin paying the workers. Start with those who were hired last and then go to those who were hired first. And so as the workers come, those hired last at 5 p.m. in the afternoon come, and what do they receive? A denarius, a full day's wage. Now you can imagine that those who had been working longer in the day upon seeing this would have thought to themselves, oh my heavens, that's incredible. Imagine what we're going to receive for our labor. And then as those came, come up that began at 3 in the afternoon and then noon and then those that began at 9 a.m. all come up and they receive from the foreman a denarius, a day's wage. And then finally those who had worked 
the longest. Those who were hired first come up. They receive their denarius, their day's wage, and they are indignant. They say, these who were hired last worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us who have borne the burden of the work in the heat of the day? Translation, this isn't fair. This isn't fair. It isn't right. Why are they receiving the same as we received? What does the landowner respond? He says, I am not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Take your pay and go. I want to give to the one who was hired last the same as I give to you. Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? Or are you jealous because I am generous? What is up with this story? And what does it tell us about God and fairness and what God's understanding of what is right is? There are some scholars who believe that this story was especially directed towards people in the early church. So the Gospel of Matthew was written to a predominantly Jewish uh, community, but there were people who are of Jewish background, descent, and there were others who were Gentiles, non-Jewish. And so there were people that had been steeped in the, the law of Moses, the history, uh, the, the scriptures that Jesus had referred to, those who, who knew that, but then had come to believe that Jesus was the, the Messiah, the one that the, the Jews had awaited. And so they came into that community of faith. Others came at various points along the way. And they suffered some. There was persecution. There were those who <clears throat> didn't believe that this was actually the Messiah. And they were persecuted. And some people invested a lot of their, themselves and their time and sacrificed greatly and gave sacrificially for this. And then there were others in the community who, were, who had just newly arrived to that community. And so those who had been there the longest were probably, you know, they, they wanted to bring people in. I mean, after all, Jesus said to go and make disciples of all nations, but there's still that human factor there that says, well, yeah, we want to bring people in, but, you know, we've, we're, we want to be treated a little differently because we've been here the longest. We've sacrificed the most, we've suffered the most, we've given the most, we've, we've given of ourselves the most. And so, don't we deserve a little something different? And so, there's some scholars that believe this, this story is directed at that community of the early church. But if we understand that this parable is saying something about God's kingdom, about the kingdom of heaven, about God's rule and reign, then that is something that tells us not just about the early church, but it tells us about God's rule and reign for us in our lives, in our community, 
in our world today. And it tells us something very different about what is fair or right. If those workers represent us, the people within the kingdom, the workers in God's vineyard, and then the landowner is God, the way the landowner responds tells us something about who God is and what God sees as right and just. It would seem that our concept of fairness and God's determination of what is right are quite different, aren't they? We want what is fair. God, however, is about something else, something greater. We like to talk about fairness. God, however, speaks about what is right and just. Maybe it's helpful here to have some working definitions. And I shared this with our confirmation kids at, at camp uh, as we think about fairness and justice. So as I thought, thought about fairness, my, my working definition is this. Fairness is when we and others are treated according to our own merit in comparison with others. So fairness has to do with with what we do or who we are or what we have done and what we deserve because of that. So it's based on our merit or based on the merit of others. Justice, however, is when we or, and others are treated according to some higher standard outside of ourselves, some higher law, some greater rule, some greater idea of what is right and just, independent of what we deserve, what we merit. Uh, there is an organization called the Bible Project, and you can access this online. There are a series of videos that delve into topics and into books of the Bible, and they do an excellent job. This is solid uh, biblical exegesis and, and history and, and uh, academic work that has been done into this, but that is done faithfully and in a way that is very accessible. So it's called The Bible Project. And they have uh, one video that talks about this idea of God's justice. So it deals with fairness and God's justice. Now I want to share this with you, and it's a little bit longer of an illustration than I would normally use um, in, a, in a message, but I think it, the value is in getting the whole message in this. And so let's take a look at the Bible Project as they talk about this biblical understanding of God's justice. If you were a praying mantis, it would be socially acceptable to devour your mate. And if you're a honey badger, you have no regard for other animals. You don't care. If you're a panda with twins, it's normal to abandon one to take care of the other. But if humans do any of these things, we would call it wrong, unfair, or unjust. Yeah, why is that? Why do humans care so much about justice? Well, the Bible has a fascinating response to that question. On page one, humans are set apart from all other creatures as the image of God. Yeah, God's representatives who rule the world 
by his definition of good and evil. And this identity, it's the bedrock of the Bible's view of justice. All humans are equal before God and have the right to be treated with dignity and fairness no matter who you are. And that would be nice if we all did that, but we know how the world really works. And the Bible addresses that too. It shows how we are constantly redefining good and evil to our own advantage at the expense of others. Yeah, self-preservation. And the weaker someone is, the easier it is to take advantage of them. And so in the biblical story, we see this happening on a personal level, but also in families and then in communities and in whole civilizations that create injustice, especially towards the vulnerable. But the story doesn't end there. Out of this whole mess, God chose a man named Abraham to start a new kind of family. Specifically, Abraham was to teach his family to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice. Yeah, doing righteousness, that's a Bible word I don't really use, but what comes to mind is being a good person. But what does that even mean, being good? The biblical Hebrew word for righteousness is tzedakah, and it's more specific. It's an ethical standard that refers to right relationships between people. It's about treating others as the image of God. With the God-given dignity they deserve. And this word justice, it's the Hebrew word mishpat. It can refer to retributive justice. Like if I steal something, I pay the consequences. Exactly. Yet most often in the Bible, mishpat refers to restorative justice. It means going a step further, actually seeking out vulnerable people who are being taken advantage of and helping them. Yeah, some people call this charity. But mishpat involves way more. It means taking steps to advocate for the vulnerable and changing social structures to prevent injustice. So justice and righteousness are about a radical, selfless way of life. Yeah, and you find this idea all over the Bible. Like here, in the book of Proverbs, what does it mean to bring about just righteousness? Open your mouth for those who can't speak for themselves. And what do these words mean for the prophets, like Jeremiah? Rescue the disadvantaged and don't tolerate oppression or violence against the immigrant, the orphan, and the widow. And like here, look in the book of Psalms. The Lord God upholds justice for the oppressed, gives food to the hungry, and sets the prisoner free but he thwarts the way of the wicked. Whoa, he thwarts the wicked? Yeah, in Hebrew, the word wicked is rasha. It means guilty or in the wrong. It refers to someone who mistreats another human, ignoring their dignity as an image of God. So justice and righteousness is a big deal to God. Yes, it's what Abraham's family, the Israelites, were to be all about. They ended up as immigrant slaves, being oppressed unjustly in Egypt. And so God confronted Egypt's evil, declaring them to be rasha, guilty of injustice. And so he rescued Israel. But the tragic irony of the Old Testament story is that these redeemed people went on to commit the same acts of injustice against the vulnerable. And so God sent prophets who declared Israel guilty. But they weren't the only ones. There's injustice everywhere. Yeah, some people actively perpetrate injustice. Others receive benefits or privileges from unjust social structures they take for granted. And sadly, history has shown that when the oppressed gain power, they often become oppressors themselves. So we all participate in injustice, actively or passively, even unintentionally. We're all the guilty ones. And so this is the surprising message of the biblical story. God's response to humanity's legacy of injustice is to give us a gift, the life of Jesus. He did righteousness and justice, and yet he died on behalf of the guilty. 
But then God declared Jesus to be the righteous one when he rose from the dead. And so now Jesus offers his life to the guilty so that they too can be declared righteous before God, not because of anything they've done, but because of what Jesus did for them. The earliest followers of Jesus experienced this righteousness from God, not just as a new status, but as a power that changed their lives and compelled them to act in surprising new ways. Yeah, if God declared someone righteous when they didn't deserve it, the only reasonable response is to go and seek righteousness and justice for others. This is a radical way of life, and it's not always convenient or easy. It's courageously making other people's problems my problems. This is what Jesus meant by loving your neighbor as yourself. It's about a lifetime commitment fueled by the words of the ancient prophet Micah. God has told you, humans, what is good and what the Lord requires of you is to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We as workers in God's vineyard, we as people of God are called to something greater than fairness. We're called to something more than just comparing ourselves, our actions, our merit to others. We're called to God's restorative justice. We are to go beyond fairness, moved by God's gift of righteousness and mercy shown through his son Jesus in our lives. That mercy, that righteousness that we didn't deserve, we're compelled by that to show and to share that mercy and that restorative justice with others. One more topic, or one more story as we conclude today. And this from Jerry Sitzer, um, a person that I have lifted up his story a few times previously. Jerry Sitzer is a religion professor, an author, a man of faith, who now uh, several years ago, uh, uh, over a decade ago, was driving with his family after a retreat, and he had his, a car full of his family, his mom, his wife, and uh, several of their kids. And they were in a vehicle uh, at night driving on this kind of windy road from this uh, retreat. And Sitzer noticed some headlights coming at them, and they were driving a little bit erratically, and then at the last moment, that car crossed the line. And before he could react, they had, they had hit them head on. The driver of that vehicle was intoxicated. And in that accident, uh, his... Sitzer's mother, his wife, and one of his daughters were killed. His other kids survived. He and his other kids survived. But this plunged Sitzer into the depths of sorrow and despair. And he shares this journey in his book called A Grace Disguised, How the Soul Grows Through Loss. And in one of the chapters of that book, he asked the question, is God fair? And if anybody can ask that question, I think we could agree Sitzer had the right to ask that question. Is God fair? 
I mean, how is it fair that these three people, these three ladies in his life, these three incredible people had their life snuffed out because of the, the wrong actions, the wrong decisions of somebody else? How is it fair, he said, that my kids don't have and won't have their grandmother, their mom, and their sister for the rest of their lives? How is it fair that I am suffering this without my mother, without my wife, without one of my daughters? And so he went there and he asked that question. But then he began to reflect on it more and thought, if I want a life that is fair, what does that really look like? He said, well, these three people would probably have their lives restored. Because what happened was not fair. That's good. But if I probe this a little deeper and I look at a life that is simply judged on what we merit, what we deserve, a life that is truly and utterly fair, where we get what we deserve and don't get what we don't deserve. And he thought about it and he thought, what did I deserve, do to deserve the presence of these people in my life in the first place? What did I do to deserve this mother who was compassionate and loving in this life that I had being raised by her? What did I do to deserve the life of my wife and the love that we shared? What did I deserve, do to deserve the love and the presence of my daughter? And in that matter, what did I do to deserve the presence and the love and the the experiences that I share with my other kids? And what did I do to deserve this lifestyle that I live? And what did I do to deserve this calling that I have and the fulfillment that I have in that? And he thought, that all is a gift that is undeserved. It is a gift of grace. And he said, given the choice of a life that is purely fair, where you get what you completely deserve and don't get what you don't deserve, or a life where you get what you don't deserve, both bad but good as well. He said, I would choose the life of grace. Back to our original question, is God fair? In the parable of the vineyard, the workers are treated more than fairly. They are shown generosity by the landowner. They receive more than what they merit. In the kingdom of heaven, God does not determine things based on fairness. Rather, God goes beyond fairness to show generosity mercy, and grace. God is more than fair. God is good, and God is just. And God, God calls upon us as workers in the vineyard to be, as the prophet Michael said, those who do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you that 
You are a God who doesn't simply respond to us on our merit, but that you give us more than what we deserve. That you bless us with mercy and generosity and love. That you have given us fully of yourself and your son Jesus who gave himself for us, who took on our unrighteousness and made us right before you, giving us what we did not deserve. Lord, call us, help us to know what it means to be workers within your kingdom, those who go out and who are compelled by what we have received undeserved to show mercy and grace and love to others, to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with you. We pray in your name. Amen.